Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey everybody, it's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan, that is Mike. What's going on tonight, Mike? Uh, not too much. Uh, this is a weird night where um, I'm sitting here rooting for the New York Rangers of all teams to to, to, to win a hockey game, and um, but I'm cleansing my palate here with, the, with what should be a great podcast for the first time on uh, Weird Islanders. You know, we, we've all rubbed shoulders with Weird Islanders, but usually that's been at, you know, Adventureland or the Chipotle across the street uh, from from Nassau Coliseum. But uh, our guests today actually, you know, shared a dressing room with 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 our guys, played with them. Uh, this is this is a, a pretty I'm pretty jacked up for this one. Yes, this will be great. And uh, our extra special guest today, frankly, really needs no introduction. Everybody knows who he is. He's an analyst and radio host for Sportsnet. He's an Islander's legacy. And now he can add best-selling author to his resume, having published a book called Down and Back on Alcohol, Family, and a Life in Hockey. He is Justin Bourne. Justin, how are you tonight? I'm great. I'm great. And I'm excited to talk with you people. It's not very often I get to talk with people who know the history of the Islanders, but also the weird Islanders, the oh. way our teams that didn't matter. <laughs> like, they all matter. They all matter. Yeah. That, that's yeah. our, that's our wheelhouse. We yeah. love it. Uh, and we thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you've been doing the tour. You're so busy. Uh, the book has achieved uh, a couple of bestseller lists already, which is pretty wild. Um, so I guess my first question is, um, like, what's the reaction been from readers? Have you heard a lot of people say like, 
this reminds me of my relationship with my dad, or this is some, similar to my story. Have you heard a lot of that? Yeah, you know, since I first, you know, I forget when I actually like Kate went on Twitter and was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm an alcoholic and here's what I've been through. But since then, I started hearing from a lot of people who had been through that themselves. But to me, the most satisfying part is like when the book came out and it wasn't just about my own alcoholism, but also my dad and what my dad has been through. Um, obviously, everyone familiar with this podcast is familiar with Bob Bourne, my dad. So, you know, we, you know, the people who reached out and said, I can relate to that because I had a father who was an alcoholic or I had an aunt who was one or I had a brother who was one. It feels like everyone has some sort of connection to this. And like, that's kind of what I wanted with the book was like the opposite of that, like isolation and like solitude life I lived while I was drinking is connecting with people. So it's been just, uh, that's been the best part of it is connecting with people who can relate to what I've been through. Yeah. The the book is, is very, very honest and, and very raw. And what there's sort of like a, a common theme I noticed about the whole thing in that you're doing a lot of dispelling of myths, like about what alcoholism mm -hmm. looks like, about so your experience growing up with an NHLer as a dad, um, even about stuff like the realities of sort of life in the minors or, or you know, college hockey and junior hockey and things like that. Um, was there like one particular subject that you were a little bit more scared or, or hesitant to kind of dive into and like you're writing and you're like, oh, my God, what the hell am I going to do right now? This is this is getting very deep. <laughs> Yeah, well, there was a, there was a couple of more surface level things that I still was hesitant about, like if legally, what can you say? You know, like I mentioned that in I, in the minors that we had a, a shady doctor who was handing out scripts, and I didn't yeah. know, you know, like how much I can say about that. Um, but then the other, the obvious thing here for me is is my relationship with my dad, and you know, the perception of it um, from the outside uh, versus the reality, and then also what's fair to my dad. And a lot of going through this process was like, I had been through the life I've been through and I wanted to tell my story, but I didn't at the same time want to take shots at him or hurt him in the process. But as I was writing the book, my editor kept saying like, you know, there's a lot left unsaid here. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're in junior and you're, you know, you're going around BC, like your dad played in the NHL. Shouldn't you have known about the league? Shouldn't you have known? Where you know he kept saying, "Where's your dad?" and all this, and so mm. for me, that continually became a bigger part of the book. Without like you just you can't avoid talking about it. And so it was a very sensitive subject. How to walk that line with my dad, who you know I I love a great deal and care for. Mm -hmm. It's just a tough one because we've been through some stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk more about the book later on uh, in the show. Mm. Uh, but it's it's time to dive into some <laughs> to some weird islanders here. Uh, I love it. The first thing I got to ask you, and uh, you know, this this is something I was just saying to Dan, and and I remember you, and I'm I'm hopeful that it, it was you, but Trevor Smith, yeah, I remember you on Twitter. We were talking about the early days of Twitter before we popped on. Yeah. I remember you being like, "This guy's really good. Like this, yeah. like he's like the best AHL player I've ever played with, or whatever." And um, then he got called up to the Islanders. He scored once in seven <laughs> seven games. Okay, uh, war number seventy seven. He had like the look of like. In today's NHL, I was like, I had the Carter Verhage kind of type hopes for for Trevor Smith, like a guy who yeah. kind of flew under the radar, became a, a good player in the AHL, came to the Islanders, and you're like, this is exactly what this team needs. They need to get these yeah. kind of cheap, uh, unearthed diamonds in the rough, or because uh, no one else is coming here uh, besides <laughs> weird Islanders um, at the time. <laughs> so, uh, were you surprised that Trevor Smith didn't end up being an all star in the NHL? 
You know, I, I can't say that I was surprised because I had no real context for <laughs> what, you know, like what a player at that level looks like when they go on to have NHL success. Like I, my actual like career arc is really strange, I think, compared to most people who play at that level, because I didn't play competitive hockey, like top level hockey when I was young. I played B, you know, B rep hockey in Canada, which never on the top teams all the way up until midget, which is like 15 years old, you know, maybe even a little older than that. And I played two years there. I play, so I, I was playing against no one. And then all of a sudden I got like kind of good really quick in junior and got a college scholarship and happened to get it to a really good league. And like, it was like this, I had that opportunity or nothing else. So I get to college and all of a sudden in college, it's, Patrick Kane and TJ Oshie and Jonathan Taves and Blake Wheeler and Thomas Vanek. And I was just like, Oh my God, you Justin know, Johnson. Like, yeah, JJ. So I was just like, what, you know, what have I got myself into at this right. level? But then those guys went on and they were immediately great NHLers. So like only players I had played against were like these elite guys who went on to great success or guys that I played with who went on to nothing. So coming out of the minors, long way to get to that point. I wasn't sure what it looked like, the progression, you know, I would say I'm more surprised that Andrew McDonald went on to have the great career he did than, than I am, you know, Trevor Smith not quite becoming, you know, the next great thing for the Isles. That's funny. I, I mean, this was this is all news to me because I did not, I didn't even notice Trevor Smith mentioned in the book and, and looking him up. My the first thing that came to my mind was this guy played for the Islanders and he wore 77. They let somebody else wear 77. (laughs) Seriously. That's crazy. But, uh, you know what though? Hold on. Quick Trevor Smith story. So I'm in the East coast hockey league. I score my first goal, I think in my first or second game. And then I don't get a point for like 20 games. I'm like the most useless player on earth. (laughs) Trevor Smith got sent to the ECHL somehow. I don't Hmm. know why or how that ended up happening, but he was Hmm. on our team in Utah and he centered my line the next night and I scored a hat trick the first night I played with him because he (laughs) found me in like three ridiculous backdoor places. So if, ever there was someone who was biased towards trevor smith yeah. and what he could do. there you go we just discovered like, it yeah i can make complete bums into superstars like, this right. guy's gonna be amazing wow we, we really I, I i remember like the early kind of forums or, or the forums at that time being like we we think this trevor smith guy is is gonna be someone who sticks um and boy did he <laughs> yeah he couldn't he couldn't he just he not fast enough like yeah. really good hands great shot great brain for it worked mm-hmm. hard just couldn't couldn't do it at the pace he needed to wow that's crazy and i bet that that probably describes a lot of guys too um yeah you, you tell a great story in the book uh so you get to islanders camp um and uh, your uncle you said had uh had a hand in, in getting you that invite right you had played four years at uh, anchorage alaska and then mm-hmm. you you end up at islanders camp so how did that opportunity come about i mean obviously there's the connection with your dad but like how, how did you get that call like hey do you want to come to islanders camp you know, I don't even know what the progression was on how I am. You know, to be honest, I, you know, when I was younger, I had heard like in university that like Montreal had had some interest in mm. me. Um, and then coming out of university, I had like this weird time. I had a good senior year. I led my team in scoring and I thought I'd have a lot of American League opportunities. And I was hoping to get an American League one way offer. Mm. And I, you know, my uncle got me an agent and that agent was kind of, canvassing to see what was out there for me and every team in the american league would have had me as a camp invite Uh, a lot of people would have offered me two-way contracts to the echl and the ahl but no one wanted to give me a one-way ahl deal so i was i wasn't really committed anywhere 
And then the Islanders were one of the teams who said, we will give you an AHL ECHL deal, but we will also have you, you know, if you want to come to main camp, you know, we would love to have you. And so for me, that was just like such a no brainer of an opportunity (laughs) to to go there and like pull on the Isles Jersey and kind of see what I could make of it from there. And to be honest, it, it was, I was far better than I had hoped to be there. You know, it's one of those things that when I showed up there, like I wasn't making the team, but I, I did enough to get some attention and, and do myself some, <laughs> some good around the world along yeah. the way. And, and you got to tell us the story about uh, you, <laughs> your, your first run in with uh, a man that we've tried to track down now for probably <laughs> four or five years running. Um, no joke. Have called some, some, yeah. some, what I guess, junior, junior B uh, team. What does he in, do now? You know, so. This is Wade Dublowitz we're talking about. People who listen to the show know that we've, they been they trying to, we've been trying to track him down forever because he is – the whole crux of it is we want to let him know how beloved he is on Long Island. Yes. Like he yes. is the, what the a cult check. hero. Yeah, one poke yeah. check. I mean the whole run. I mean I'm getting chills talking about it. I still do. And we talk, and we talk about it every episode. So that, that goes time. to show you how, how much that, that run meant to us. That's um, awesome. And uh, I, we, we honestly don't know if he understands like – how how big of a deal he is to Islander fans, um, and the last we heard, he was coaching in like Chilliwack or something out in in, in <laughs> British Columbia. Yeah, yeah, Chilliwack, and yeah. His, Chilliwack, yeah, yeah. and uh, his his brother, I think, because I mean the name Dublowitz. Uh, some someone related to him is is like a a, a president of a, of another kind of junior A team or something. I'm gonna put and, my. And I know this because I had a friend who played I'm, for like the I'm old. I'm gonna get Wade Dublowitz on your show. I'm gonna Please. make this. Oh my god! Would, we would. You'd <laughs> get a finder's fee for sure. Um, I gotta put a reminder to myself. But we. Uh, I had a friend who played for the old Grizzlies, and and like I was like sending him. He he like helped connect me to this like league office, and I and I called and I left a message for his brother Scott, and never heard back. But uh, anyways. <laughs> It's DB Cooper to you guys. He jumped out of a plane somewhere. He's never been heard from since. Right. Uh, uh, the question is just you gotta tell us a story about how uh your first run in yeah. with, with this Islanders legend. Yeah, so like I, I stayed at the Gillies for training camp. Um and you know, so I showed up with my bag at Nassau Coliseum. And like Bree, you know, my, my now wife, I assume dropped me off. I was like, okay. Like, I don't know what entrance I, like if people just maybe assume that because of my dad, I was there when I was five, I knew my way around, but I was kind of wandering around the Coliseum, like looking right. for where to go. I hadn't been there in forever. Right. And even the other parts of training camp weren't there. So anyway, so I, I down in the bowels of the rink and I finally, you know, a couple of people point me in the right direction of the room and I find the change room, you know, like a lot of these, a lot of places, like my ECHL team had like, you know, you go in, you change out of your day clothes into your under gear, and then you go into your locker room stall and yada, yada. So I go in the change room and I'm getting changed into my Islanders under gear. They had it laid out, you know, for everyone mm. with their number and I, and like tons of, you know, tons of stuff. It was, that was like one of the coolest moments. You, you, know, you mm. get a hat and a travel bag and a, you know, all this Islander stuff. So I'm changing and it's kind of cool, but I'm really like hyper-focused. Like this is my first day there. And I believe it was fitness testing right away, which stresses me out more than anything else. (laughs) I was just like locked in and a guy came in, like I got changed and I didn't know where to go. And a guy came in was like, Hey, how's it going? Super friendly guy, you know? And like, you know, a little, I was like, high pitch voice, voice, like kind of bald, like, you know, (laughs) you know, hairy fella aside from his head. And he's like, (laughs) 
and I was like, you know, he asked me a couple questions about myself and I was like, I'm, I was not unkind, but I was just like, yeah, yeah like I'm, I'm busy. I'm on the training camp here. And so <laughs> I was like, where's, I was like, where's the dressing room? And he was like, you're standing in it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is, he's like, this is it. And I was like, this is the NHL. He's like, this is the locker room. My mind was blown. Like all the leagues I played in, it was the worst dressing room. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I thought what was like my change cubby was my actual stall. So I look at my stall, and as I'm looking at it, the guy walks over and sits in Wade Dubowitz's stall, grabs the goalie <laughs> stick, and starts taping. And I was like, I am the biggest jerk on earth. Like, this guy is an established NHLer. He was so nice to me. Like, mm. I'm supposed to be, like, the, the rookie, like, being, you know, kissing butt. And here I was, yeah. like, where's the dressing room? Just, like, so unkind. But he was a, a lovely guy. Yeah. Apologize to him when, when he's on your show for me, will you? Oh, no, yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so, well, you know, in, in 1982, that dressing room was state-of-the-art, or at least closer yeah. to it than it was in 2007, for sure. I can imagine right. you weren't the only person that was like, uh, wait, this we, we another guy we talk about, also part of that Wade Dubowitz run a lot, is uh, Ryan Smith. And uh, yeah. we, uh, there's a, a video, very funny video on YouTube, if you want to look at it, where he's greeted by, what was it, Mike Sillinger and like two other guys? Yeah. and. It's, it's yeah, Mike Sillinger, Jason Blake, and, and oh, yeah. Bergeron, Mark Andre Bergeron. Oh, Mark, who I'm yeah. about to ask you a question about, and uh, yeah. they're like, "Yeah, this is it," and he's just like, "Oh, it is. <laughs> okay, I guess oh, this yeah. is it." Like, well, you're not supposed to say like this is terrible, so you're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay." You know? Looks great. The, the, Look that, that same video they have the uh, you know the famous video of, of Smith crying at the airport, and he's like sent off like you would. Mm when soldiers go to war and like, you know, people waving white rags out of like a boat and stuff and like blowing kisses. And, and then he led Guardia. There's just one Islander fan there. He shakes his head. He's like, congratulations. And then uh, that, that whole, that whole video is, is uh, narrated by our, our buddy, Elliot Friedman, who, yes. who, and I, oh, I asked no him, I was like, gotta be the last time you were at an Islander game, like in the dressing room. And he, he said, yeah. confirmed i'm not sure exactly so so well we just we just mentioned him but uh i so you a couple of years ago and i saved this tweet uh i guess assuming that we were going to get to talk to you at some point for an episode but uh you had you posted on twitter uh a training camp sort of roster everybody's broken out into different teams and and used for scrimmages and practices i guess and uh your your team was actually anchored by goalie wade dubowitz but uh (laughs) you had a couple of other favorites of ours on that so what can you tell us about the great mark andre bergeron another another guy who might be mistaken as a pr staffer uh if you didn't know who he was at the time yeah you know what though like it's really tough to explain i think to people like how good average nhl players are and i know like (laughs) you know like fans have some sense of that but like marc-andre bergeron was unbelievable like he was so fast and just like cutting around the net to break the puck out he passed snapped it hard his shot was as hard as anyone i can remember playing Mm -hmm. with and you know he's smaller frame but he had an absolute rocket now I didn't always care for his decision-making on when to use it. You know, it <laughs> right. didn't matter if he was out by the boards, you know, unscreened. He'd just heave it whenever he yeah. could. But, yeah, he, you know, at that time when I was there in 08, those Islanders teams were not talent-laden. And <laughs> he stood out to me as a guy that was like he had a, a bunch of tools that you need to be a five foot ten defenseman in the NHL. <laughs> it, yeah. that, was a, that was a funny, you know, kind of year for them because it, it, they came off of that, you know, miraculous run where they basically should raise a banner for, for making the playoffs the way they did with, with, with Dublowitz. And then right. so, and Bergeron was an, an acquisition at the, the deadline before Smith in that year. 
So he kind of like was just like this weird holdover um, with a team that ended up being the most hilarious mishmash of B level veterans like right. like John Sim and and Comrie yeah. and, and Comrie came out of the gates on fire that year like mm. they were MVP chance at Nassau Coliseum day two right. of the season because he scored like two and two <laughs> but of course he also was known as uh I guess the, you know there's the term wag whatever he, he would be the 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 husband hag I guess of, <laughs> yeah. or, uh, hab, the hab of yeah. Hillary Duff yeah um so like what was it like just just with with like someone like that in the locker room where it's like you're Mike Comrie to Islander fans you're on your way to an MVP, but to the rest of the world, yeah. you're just, you're just Hillary Duff's hockey playing husband. Yeah. Well, and like, he's got such a weird situation too. Cause he was married to her dating her at the time. And like, you guys know his dad's like crazy rich. Right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. The, yeah. Like the, the brick up here in Canada is like, that's where you buy your furniture. It's the <laughs> only place you can get it. <laughs> it's like that, that ubiquitous. So, you know, he was like, he, he obviously has a life away from the rink and hockey wasn't his only thing, but he was just the nicest guy. Mm. And he had a reputation, I think, when he got there, of not maybe being that or maybe having some attitude or, you know, whatever it was. But he was so, so nice when I was there. And it that was one of the harder parts for me is like being around guys like that who I had watched and known from TV I know I'm not on their level. I know I'm not going to play in the NHL. So like I want to stay out of their way, but at the same time I'm at the camp. I was invited right. as a player. It wasn't make a wish, you know? So like, <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I had to like, at one point, I think the greatest thing I, I did was I absolutely mowed over uh Radic Martinek. No, I was like, you know, we got like, to the the gotta hang up the show. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's, he is, he's a beloved Islander. Yes, he huh. is. And that's it. And like, I knew that at the time and, right. You know, I I had rooted for the Islanders and rooted for him, but like had a moment where yeah. the puck was there and I, we were playing. And so I I struggled while I was there walking that line of being like, I had been rooting for these guys. I followed mm. them, whatever. But like, I'm here for real. So I got to play here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask you a question about a follow up for, for Martinek then, um, yes. because I have a, a theory about him that of any player that's played, he played close to 500 NHL games, almost all of them with the Islanders how many people that were hockey fans at that time knew who Radic Martinek was off of Long Island? Do you think a percentage <laughs> percentage of hockey fans <laughs> of, of hockey fans? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, between three and 6%. <laughs> <laughs> wow. that's, that's about double what I was going to say, but yeah, so. you're the guy uh, who's played the most games with the least record name recognition. Yes, maybe right. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Like that one of those charts, like that where he'd be in like a quadrant where he's like, yeah, most games, least recognition. Mm. Yeah. God love him. No, I, yeah, yeah. He was a steady guy. He was reliable. He did all, all sorts of things. Well, he just wasn't particularly excellent at anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that sums him up. To a T. Um, but, you know, and, and then, actually, that's an interesting thing, too. You, you just basically kind of touched on it, too. And you talk about it in the book is like your goal going there, obviously, was to get, you know, a, a one way AHL contract. But your your mm -hmm. biggest thing you said was not sort of sullying your family name <laughs> and like yeah, not, not kind of making it, you know, about your last name and making it more about you. And, and you did that. I mean, you had a really, really, really great camp. You um, had to interact with Ted Nolan, who was there. Like, what were your memories of, of him? I mean, I don't know how much time you, you would have mm. spent with him, but uh, like, what was his kind of take on your play during that time period? 
Yeah. The one thing I, before I just, cause you guys like weird Islander stuff. One <laughs> other story I have to tell oh, is, yeah. uh, is, uh, I will get back to that is when we flew to Moncton and you take the Islanders private jet and, you know, waiting to, you know, there's no wait. You just like kind of pull up mm. and they, you know, you're just on the plane, like you're getting in the cab and you just go, it's amazing. And I'll never forget like Miro Shatan had pulled up like we had the park in a lot and then we went into like the customs building or whatever and Miro pulled the, the car his car up right to the plane like parked <laughs> with it like might have been touching the wheel and it was an all silver Mercedes that must have been made that day awesome. it was the most beautiful and he had this you know like some model wife and as I think kids in the vehicle like it was just I had come from Alaska <laughs> you know, like, it was you know seeing a, a you know a star player come out of get out of a mercedes and get on a private jet was just such a trip I mean, it's um, a beautiful story but i can't believe the islanders had a private jet back then yeah i don't know maybe it wasn't maybe they just hijacked it or something <laughs> it was rented rented jet yeah rented. They, they borrowed but, the rangers um, <laughs> but on that plane on the way back was when they sent down people like me. And so you went up and sat between Ted Nolan and uh, Gar Snow. Mm-hmm. And they talked about your camp and they were just like, we we're really impressed. I was like, thanks. And, you know, then they were like, no, really? Like, we didn't think you'd be any good. Like, they, you could totally tell the vibe. <laughs> like, that they were just like, no, seriously, like, you could actually play. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, like, it was all really good. But I right. could tell they were had not anticipated thinking that i was good which is really cool um you know that gave me a lot of hope for when i went to the american league that like they would be okay like this is a guy we want to get in and when i got there that was not the case at all like i don't know if capuano just didn't agree with the assessment (laughs) of the other two or what but um Uh, but in terms of being coached by by nolan while i was there I, i didn't have much interaction with him um you know i actually had a lot of a lot of people there got attention who were draft picks and their agents were around and the coaching staff paid attention to them. Brian Troche obviously knew my name and he yeah. spent a lot of time with me. He did the most coaching, um, you know, tried to talk me into having confidence in my shot. I had a good shot. I just always thought pass first. He tried to get me to shoot a lot. Um, it was a really fulfilling experience with him knowing our family's history and like how much he was willing to help me. Um, you know, when I did feel a little bit on an Island, there is not like a draft pick, you know? Yeah. The, kind of players in your kind I guess conglomerate that didn't make the team out of that camp uh, are just there. It's a beautiful list. We actually just recorded an episode about Michael Haley. It's a great, yeah. you know, really? to that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Of course. Like we, we talked what about the fight night. Yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah. we were talking just a few days after the Islanders and penguins, apparently according to the Pittsburgh media, the Islanders, you know, mugged the penguins at PPB, PPG paints arena the other night, but <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, and uh, but Haley, of course, in in the fight night, and uh, you know Jeremy Colleton, mm-hmm. uh, Dustin Cohn, Steve mm-hmm. Regier, like these these are just beautiful, beautiful <laughs> names to us. Uh, and Ben Walter, the, yeah, the these kind of guys, like like you were kind of t- touched on it a little bit, just like how the average NHL player, like if if we mm-hmm. saw them playing at like a, a local rink, you'd just be like, damn, that guy, like is right. amazing. And and I think you'd make this to, to folks like us, like the same case could be said about like these players like someone like michael haley like to, yeah. when you're watching the nhl you're like you know we, we know why this guy's here but if mm-hmm. you watched him uh, well you know. and you remember michael haley's first career goal i assume was it oh, i believe it was first career goal okay he has a, a it's worth a google if uh <laughs> it's like an end not quite an end to end but through the neutral zone 
Full strength with all of their injured, but so what? The Islanders having a blast. And here comes Haley. Driving on the tag, he's in! He scores! Now it's official. It's become memorable. Well, maybe we have to look back at what Coach Capriano said, and it wasn't just about his fighting ability. He's got some offensive skill, Holly, because what a great move he puts on Latang. And we might get a goaltending chance. I don't know. I mean, this Johnson's just getting bombarded. But uh, what a move. Watch this move by Haley. Cuts inside, and he just stays with it. And a couple of quick, quick little fakes. And boy, that's a nifty goal by Michael Haley. It's his first in the NHL. It's only his third game. He's already had a fighting major and a roughing minor in this game. And the delay, what little one there is, is not so much about Haley making sure he gets the puck, but it's to get Marc-Andre Fleury and bring him in as a mercy replacement for Brent Johnson. Yeah, he drives wide, sticks a leg out, takes it across the crease, like great hands. It's a sick goal. <laughs> and, you know, that was one of the things with Haley that was so frustrating for me is like in the East Coast League where we started out together, I thought he, we, he was like our fighter and he was a right winger like me. And he often played ahead of me. And I was like, why is there a fighter there? And then you'd see him do stuff with the puck. And I was like, damn it, he's good too. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not what you want. He had his flash. He did have moments too. Like people be like, he, 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 he looked, he looked the, he looked like he had like a second gear that he just never yeah. really clicked into. Cause he was too busy, you know, beating the piss out of Eric Goddard or something. <laughs> right. And like, you know, to his credit, he knew where his bread was buttered. No mm -hmm. one was going to be like, get Michael Haley. We need help on the power play. Like, they, <laughs> you know, they got him for a very specific purpose right. and he adjusted his game to do it. Like he, he was a legit East coast league guy. Like he wasn't yeah. kind of uh, on his way or highly touted. Like he was on our East coast league team all pretty much that whole year and, and worked his way up and deservingly. So he was, so good in front of the net and all that. He's definitely one of those guys that were he bigger, he'd be, you know, he'd have been Tom Wilson, but you know, he's mm, also five yeah. ten or whatever. He is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We talked about when he was called up for that game against the penguins at fight night game. He he was, I think one of Bridgeport's leading goal scorers at the time. Like he was, yeah. he was pretty good. And yeah, he had hands that just didn't weren't used for goal scoring that often. They were used more for punching, but uh, I'm no. around for a long time too. Um, this is, I mean, you've, you've been all over the place. I mean, you talk in the book, you went to Bridgeport, you went back to the ECHL, played in, in Las Vegas for a while in Utah. And uh, do you ever keep in touch with any of the guys that you played with, either at the camp or with the Sound Tigers? Mm -hmm. I mean <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the book recently coming out has led to some people reaching out to oh, like, cool. haha. But yeah, I do, <laughs> I do keep in touch with, with a lot of the guys. Um, Jeremy Colton and I still, you know, we will exchange the odd text here and there. I obviously big fan of him and what he's done with his career. Sure. Um, you know, Scott Ford was a defenseman who uh, coaches and he'll reach out to me once in a while. You know, there's, I, I you know, I can't offhand things. Sean Bentivoglio lives in Ontario. Oh, yeah. How about this? The other day I'm on our radio show up here and we're talking about like guys getting NHL tryouts and somehow mine came up and Kipper's like, yeah, I'll go mute and make it. And I was like, Oh, I made some joke. I was like, oh, like I played with like Sean Bentavolio. It wasn't Connor McDavid <laughs> or something. And Bentavolio texted me. He'd been listening in his car. Wow. And I just randomly savaged him on the air for no reason. Total <laughs> oh stray. God. Great player. That's... So much better than me. And I just completely hit him with That's a stray funny. bullet. Wow. So, yeah, you know, the if the hockey community is small and yeah. I'm still involved in it. So I do hear from <laughs> a lot of guys still. That's cool. Yeah, Bent no, Bentavolio really cool. is um, he's on the list for us because and he's a special uh, 
kind of section of the list as as a as a one gamer. Mm. Uh, I think he he he, he got he called really? up. Yeah, yeah, he got called up. Played one game for the Islanders. Uh, in in his in career, didn't make it back to the NHL before you know doing the the European tour. But yeah, he played played one game. They um, you know, it's weird because that two thousand eight nine team was pretty good. They lost that game, but uh, yeah. Uh, Sean yeah. Bentabolio, he's a uh, he's an, a, a <laughs> just one playing gamer. the hits for obscure guys here. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> yeah. he was another guy who's so talented. I would say the American League is full of guys who have like NHL level abilities. Just like one thing is missing. Mm-hmm. More, you know, like it, it's it's you know a lot of guys can skate as well as anyone in the NHL, but maybe they can't think it. That's probably the biggest one that's often there is like these guys have the tool set and they can't do the toolkit and can't think of how to use those tools in an effective enough way. So, so when you see someone like, like a Bentavolio, like, or, or that kind of like level player, then start to click it. Cause right now, like the Islanders have, uh, are now Durando up in, 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 on their roster, yeah. he's been a career minor leaguer, but he looks good in his first two So the games. power play, right? The second yeah, and, and anyway. he's, he's like averaging like four shots a game. He's drawn a couple penalties. He, he looks, and I don't know if this is just because he plays for the Islanders who might go down as the slowest team in the quickest <laughs> yeah. NHL like era of all time that like he looks, <laughs> he looks incredibly, he looks fast. Like he looks like, Oh, yeah. this, this is a player who belongs like his skating belongs in this NHL. But when you see a guy like that go up, do you still get like, kind of like jacked up like a Verhage kind of guy? Like these guys, yeah, they, they might you not know, get through to 24, 25, but when they do like, you're like, they're going to stick. And this is awesome. Yeah, like definitely root for guys like that. My longtime favorite guy uh, in the league today is is Yanni Gord because I watched mm-hmm. him in the American League when I was with Toronto. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm with the Toronto Marlies in the American League as a video coach, and my job is to pre-scout our opponents, which pre-scout is redundant, and I hate that. <laughs> um, but you, so, like, I have to give an assessment of, like, each of these guys' games, a couple sentences on how they play or what their tendencies are. That sounds complicated every day, but you play the same team eight times a year, right? So you go into games mostly mm-hmm. knowing a lot of the guys and what they're about, but early on, it's hard to do. So in the, the beginning of the year, I watched Yanni Gord, my first month, and maybe on the job, and I said to Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas, I was like, this kid is unbelievable. I was like, I, I've watched him a few games and I absolutely love him. One of those guys that like, you want him to succeed so you look smart. Like I totally <laughs> hitched my wagon to him right away. I knew, and, it. I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah, right? So I was like totally selfishly motivated. I don't even care if Gord himself mm. has fun, but I'm just like, <laughs> right. so uh, watching him was really satisfying because he was an okay AHL guy we didn't like key on him he was the fifth best guy in Syracuse Syracuse that's it yeah so you know watching him just excel and grow and whatever he's a great example of one of those Connor Verhage guys that just like gets it done he makes 5.5 million dollars a year now so gotta root for those guys no, definitely, definitely, and and the Islanders almost never get those guys, <laughs> so that's why we yeah. have to look at other teams. Um, but uh, so the book is called again "Down and Back" on alcohol, family, mm-hmm. and a life in hockey by Justin Bourne. It is absolutely fantastic. I recommend it not just from an Islanders perspective, but just from a human perspective too. Because again, like you said, I mean, a lot of these stories will touch on, uh, you know, will hit home for a lot of people. Uh, it also includes. Uh, a lot of really incredible uh, scenes, including a uh, Lou Lamorello story from your days with the Marlies. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but it does involve a bearded Justin Bourne. So I'm just going to leave it yeah. at that, uh, kind of see where it's going to go. Uh, you yeah. also talk about um, a couple of injuries that you sustained uh, towards the end of your playing career. And uh, one of them is a jaw injury that 
you had that you described in such detail that my final question to you is that now that the book is out, have you thought about ever getting into the horror genre? Because as I'm reading this <laughs> chapter, I'm like, ooh, geez. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's good, yeah, bad. you know, that it is. And you know, that along the way in my hockey career, I was very fortunate with health. I didn't miss a game for like 10 mm. years from wow. Bantam till I was 25 years old. And then all of the goodwill I had built up uh, <laughs> got paid yeah. back and a couple of torn yeah. MCLs followed up by a slap shot to the face. They're like, there, that yeah. evens it out for your career. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and yeah, a wired I can, I can shut eat an jaw. apple now. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine okay. Oof, yeah, brutal, brutal. But uh, but the book is again fantastic. We wish you all the luck in the world. It's already selling out all over the place, but you can get it at Amazon and wherever books are sold. We thank you so much for coming on and spending a little bit of your time with us again. You've been everywhere. I follow you obviously on Twitter, and like every day you're you're on another podcast or a radio show or something. Obviously, you got your own going on. And uh, I just have yeah. to personally thank you for repping the Islanders at Sportsnet. It can't be easy. Uh, there yeah. has to be a lot, a lot of grief thrown your way, but we appreciate all the work that you do up there. Uh, well, and, and to be honest, I appreciate you guys. Like this stuff is awesome. <laughs> and like diehard, like legit Islanders <laughs> fans who like, you know, have been following for such a long period of time, but also are on Twitter and make following them fun. Which yeah. they haven't always been fun is a real delight. So yeah, uh, thanks for having yeah. me, guys. I'll I'll come. I'll join you guys anytime you want. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. we're gonna yeah, hold we you. We got that. a we got a list like four hundred. Yeah, <laughs> weird <laughs> Islanders. Okay, well, you could, you once you threw the four hundred, call me up, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will send you the list, and you're gonna say, "Oh my god, where the hell yeah. did you find these guys?" Uh, but uh, I will. We will definitely hold you to that. Uh, so where can everybody find you on Twitter? As if everybody listening to this isn't already following you. Just the kind of thing you say. Yeah. Where can everybody find you uh, out there? It's at, it's at JT Bourne. But actually, you know what? I'm my work tells me I'm supposed to get followers on Instagram because apparently, you know, Elon's oh. going to ruin Twitter. So uh, <laughs> at JT Bourne underscore SN is okay. my, uh, my Instagram handle. There you go. Everybody, go to Instagram. Follow him at JT Bourne underscore SN. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Michael Leboff. Where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Read Justin Bourne's book, Down and Back, and listen to him on Sportsnet. Follow him on Instagram. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter. Read Light Ice Hockey every single day. We're going to up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast. And until then, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you later. Thanks again. Bye-bye.